og velkommen til min podcast, Porsche Hjertet. Nu er vi så nået til afsnit nummer 14, og det er lidt et fantastisk afsnit, der venter i dag, synes jeg. Øhm, egentlig været en rigtig fin uge med, øh, med nogle rigtig fine aftaler. Jeg snakkede med René Mammen øh, fra Hejern Kars og ja, ejer af restaurant Substans her i Aarhus. Vi havde en rigtig, rigtig god snak om Porsche, Porsche og passion. Og så øh, senere i dag en rigtig, rigtig fin snak, er jeg sikker på, med legenden, kan man vel godt sige, Christian Grav, øh, hvilket jeg også glæder mig helt vanvittigt til. Men ugens gæst i det her afsnit nummer 14 er simpelthen Porsche Royalty, synes jeg. Øh, international gæst nummer 1 i den her lille podcast, øh, Hans Lapin som bor over i Los Angeles øh, i USA. Søn af Porsche-legenden, ham selv, Tony Lepin. Manden, der kom til Porsche i øh, slut 50'erne, var med til at bygge Weissach. Øhm, afdelingen op øh, var i front for, for hele udviklingen af Porsche 928 G-modellen. Øh, 64'erne og meget andet, og Hans øh, fortæller over en time om hele opvæksten øh, fra de flytter til fra Detroit til Stuttgart, da Hans er 9 år gammel. Han har meget, meget stor indsigt i sin fars betydning for Porsche, og hans historik har rigtig fået virkelig mange øh, unikke dokumenter om memorabilia og sågar helt u- udpakket forkæmmotor legendariske Ernst Furman motor liggende udpakket derhjemme og alt det kommer han til at fortælle meget mere om i det her afsnit som, øh, som bare er helt fantastisk godt jeg synes virkelig, øh, virkelig det, det var en fed samtale jeg er stadigvæk helt høj over at øh, lykkes øh, ugens bil er Porsche Boxster den første generation øh, intern model kode 986. I kender den alle sammen, og i dag skal vi høre lidt om, øh, hvad var egentlig årsagen til, at, at, at Porsche byggede den? Hvad havde den af betydning, og hvad er sådan de tekniske specifikationer på, på den her lille fantastiske to-personers centermotor? Den underliggende jingle, som I hører, er jo som altid lavet af den fantastiske Michelle Svane. Ja, så find lige en øh, kop kaffe, øl, vodka, hvad ved jeg, frem. Og øh, lad os lige så stille lytte til ugens bil. Ugens bil er Porsche Boxster Generation 1 med den interne modelkode 986. Som det jo er velkendt for mange, der har lyttet med i øh, den her podcast og hørt flere af mine øh, ugens bilindslag, øh, eller bare interesseret sig for Porsche-historie generelt, så, øh, så var Porsche i økonomiske vanskeligheder i øh, 80'erne. De såkaldte fattige 80'er, de var ramt af, at deres øh, salgstal øh, ændrede sig dramatisk til den negative og derfor begyndte man med, i Porsche at og, øh, og, og tænke over, hvad, hvad man kunne gøre ved, ved det her problem. Øhm, Harm 
Lagai, den hollandske øh, ingeniør, blev hyret øh, til Porsche-koncernen til at hjælpe med at prøve at lave en form for turnover øh, på virksomheden, eller af virksomheden. Og ham Lagai er jo kendt i Porsche-historien fra øh, tiden øh, sammen med Tony Lapin, som vi jo skal høre mere om i det her afsnit, fordi at han designede, eller stod, var med i design. Øh, processen omkring Porsche 924 i 70'erne. Siden forlod han jo så Porsche, men blev så hyret tilbage igen i 1989. Øh, noget af det, man kan høre om i den fine, det fine indslag, eller det fine interview med ham, der hedder The Porsche Savior, hvis man googler lidt, det er jo, at han, øh, han prøver nogle af Porsche'erne, blandt andet i 64'erne, og i 93'eren og undre sig over, at Porsche ikke rigtig har udviklet sig, siden han var der sidst. Samme køreoplevelse, som selvfølgelig er fantastisk, men, 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 men interiøret er det samme, som om der ikke rigtig har været nogen udvikling i tingene. Og fordi Harm Lagai har været ved Ford i en længere periode, har han der også fået øjnene op for, hvad det betyder at have en drift, hvor man kan genbruge tingene og have dem til at, at dukke op i forskellige modeller. På det tidspunkt i 80'erne kører Porsche med alle mulige forskellige drivlinjer og, og, og bilproduktioner, som er unikke. Og det vil sige, at de har ikke nogen dele, de kan genbruge, og det er jo virkelig kosteffektivt at kunne genbruge sine dele. De har en v 8 i kørende i V8-motor kørende med transaksel i, i 28'erne. De har en almindelig transaksel med nogle Audi-motorer i, i 24'erne. Den er godt nok udfaset på det her tidspunkt. Så har de en i 11'erne kørende også med, med deres egen drivlinje. Så det har Lagai går ind og kigger på i særdeleshed. Det er noget så simpelt som, som lygterne. Og der de udskilte <laughs> Fried Egg lygter, som jo kommer på boksterne i 96'erne og senere også næsten i samme variation på Cayenne og Carregitin indeholder jo blinklys og og centerlys og nærlys øh, og langlys funktionerne i alt sammen i en lille boks, man kan tage ud på på meget kort tid og lygterne er jo sådan set kendetegnende for det, som Harm Lagai tilfører Porsche, nemlig muligheden for at bruge den samme komponent i flere biler. Og faktisk er Porsche, hele forenden af Porsche, Boxster 986, er jo fuldstændig identisk med Porsche 996, som jo kom nogenlunde på samme tid. Og i 1993 præsenterer Porsche så den her prototype-konceptbil, som øh, danner fortrop for den egentlige serieproducerede bokster, der begynder i 1986. Og øh, den tiltrækker sig utrolig meget opmærksomhed i, i Detroit, da den, øh, da den bliver sat på, på en lille fin øh, pedestal der, om man så må sige. Rigtig mange interesserer sig for, at de finder ud af, at her kigger Porsche tilbage til deres rødder. De har lavet en to-personers centermotorbil, som i den grad... Øh, tiltaler især amerikanerne, der jo elsker at køre åbent. Bilen er jo øh, en øh, cabriolet med hardtop til, og øh, den stjæler lynhurtigt rigtig mange hjerter. Folk begynder at bestille den øh, up front, og 
lige så stille, så er den jo med til at vende det økonomiske billede for Porsche, og bliver jo en af de her såkaldte bread and butter biler øh, uden den, så havde der ikke, formentlig ikke været nogen Carrera GT, og nogle af alle de fantastiske modeller, vi har haft op igennem øh, slut 90'erne og 0'erne, og, og ja, og helt op til i dag. Så derfor er Porsche Boxster jo en afsindelig vigtig bil i, i Porsches historie, fordi den er den har været et guldæg, eller en guldkalv. Øhm, selve, selve Porsche'en består jo af en centermotor, og den kom med en 204 hestes 2,5 liters bokser 6'er, liggende lige bag ved, bagsæd- eller bag ved sæderne. Den 2,5 liters motor varede, eller, eller varede der i perioden 96-99, og blev så overtaget af en 2,7 liters motor fra 99-04, og samtidig med den, kørte der også en 3,2 liters boksermotor i programmet fra 99 til 04, den såkaldte Boxster S-model. De her motorer er jo også noget helt særligt i Porsche-historien, fordi det er faktisk de første vandkølede motorer, som ikke er frontplaceret. Nielverne øhm, har jo kørt med vand eller med luftkøling helt op til til 996 den kommer, og den kommer nogle år efter, at man smider boksteren på markedet, så derfor er den jo også temmelig revolutionerende i forhold til deres seksualenderede vandkyldede historik. Selve boksterens øh, produktion, altså der, hvor bilen blev bygget, var faktisk på den tidligere Porsche 928-fabrik i Stuttgart, Øhm, og produktionen startede i 1996. Øhm, bilen blev faktisk også bygget både i Tyskland og i Finland i øh, byen Usikaupunki, øh, Valmet Automotive. Øhm, og man kan faktisk se på stillenummeret, eller VIN-nummeret, Vehicle Identification Number, som det jo står for, om det er en bil, om man har fået en finsk eller en tysk Porsche. Det elfte bogstav i det her lange stillenummer kan enten være et U eller et S. U, og U står jo så for Usikaupunki. S står for Stuttgart. Ja. Og som tidligere nævnt, så er det altså en bil, der faktisk bliver flået af hylderne, og da den begynder at være på markedet også, altså en bil, man kan købe, få på plader og trille rundt i, jamen så bliver det egentlig den bedstsælgende bil fra 96 og indtil, at Cayenne overtager førstepladsen som mest sælgende Porsche i 2003. Ja. Og øh, man kan jo knytte lidt kommentar til Boxstone. Den er jo en bil, der skiller vandene, og jeg synes jo, øh, at det er interessant, at den bil øh, jo egentlig havde 25 års jubilæum øh, her sidste år. Og øh, den, den har jo de her forlygter, som man har talt om nu i umindelige tider. Øh, de første generationer har de her gule blinklys integreret i Harm Lagais øh, design øh, skråstrej Grant Larsons design det er Grant Larson øh, der har tegnet bilen men, 
Men sådan et designteam der består jo af flere folk, og det er ligesom under, ans- under ham, der gejs ansvar. Og de her lygter har jo blevet talt ihjel, han havde sagt, og et evigt stridspunkt, jeg tror på lige så stille, at det begynder at blive noget, man kommer til at kan lide mere og mere. Og, og Boxsteren er jo en bil, som mange gerne vil have fat i. Den appellerer jo til den her intense køreoplevelse. Hvis man lytter nogle af de andre afsnit igennem, så vil man jo kunne høre for eksempel øh, Joachim Stenner, som nu er ved at blive en landskendt øh, YouTube-tv-stjerne med sit eget... Øh, nej, ikke sit eget, men med et ret godt program på, på DR, hvor han jo underholder sammen med sine kolleger Ulrik, som også har været med i den her podcast tidligere, og deres direktør Thomas i, i det her nye bilprogram, øh, hvor han også besøger en kæmpe Porsche entusiast, ambassadør, fanatiker Søren Dybdal, og jeg synes, I alle sammen skal til at se det program. Fantastisk øh, Porsche-samling af en mand, der, der kører i sin bil og passer, passer på dem, men også bare har forstået virkelig at bruge dem på en dybt fascinerende måde. Og synes, det Boxsteren bliver talt virkelig op af Joachim øh, Christian Grav, som øh, jeg skal tale med senere i dag. Ved jeg, jeg har hørt ham sige det flere gange i, i Bilklubben podcasten, at han egentlig godt kunne tænke sig sådan en til det rigtig, rigtig fine vejlarrangement, øh, Porsche vejlarrangement her for nogle uger siden. Øh. Hørte også Anders Breinholt snakke lidt om, han var på jagt efter en Boxster. Altså, tror Boxsteren er en bil, der lige så stille får en renaissance. Den er ved at have... Den er ved at have noget alder med sig, som begynder at, at få den til at blive rigtig spændende. Og man kan jo se, at de første eksemplarer fra 97 kan nu købes i Danmark med plader på, og det hele til en omkring 190 plus 1000 kroner. Lidt afhængig af stand og så videre. Men jeg har set flere manuelt gearet til til de omkring 200.000, der ser rigtig, rigtig fin ud, og jeg tænker og håber egentlig, at det er en bil, som vil få den samme popularitet og legendestatus, som, som dens, hvad skal man sige, arv, arvmæssige forgænger, Porsche 560 Spideren, og egentlig også lidt Porsche 914. Det er tre biler med det samme koncept, centermotor, øhm, to personers, og med Targa-konstruktionen, eller, eller Roadster-konstruktionen. Så kæmpe shout-out til Porsche Boxster. Det her, det var faktisk godt at sige, det er lidt bare en hyldest også, for jeg synes, det er en fantastisk bil. Det må jeg bare sige. Og øh, ja, med de ord, så runder jeg lige så stille af. Og nu skifter vi så til øh, American. Og øh, skal jeg lige så stille vende os til at lytte til Hans Lapin på godt amerikansk. Man taler jo et flydende tysk også. Men det blev altså på, på, på amerikansk, skråstre engelsk. Det er jeg nu langt bedre til. Det må jeg sige. Øh, og ikke fordi jeg er god til det, men, øh, men det fungerer for mig væsentligt bedre end tysk. Så lad os lige så stille få en virkelig fantastisk tur igennem Porsche-historien fra et førstehåndsvidende. Det ønder han at kalde sig, selvom han sådan set selv har haft fingrene i bilerne, han var ansat ved Porsche. Han har lavet ting på 959'eren, blandt andet øh, i produktionslinjen. Så jeg synes jo, han er en kæmpe helt. Jeg håber, at I alle sammen tager godt imod og bare knus elsker hans lapin.
Okay, hello Hans Lapin and, and uh, welcome to my podcast. Thank you, Casper, for having me. It's it's halfway around the world, but I enjoy talking to you. Well, I, I think it it is me who should be thanking you. Uh, I've trying I've been trying to get you on this podcast for a long time, so I'm really, really, really pleased that I know you have a day off and that you are spending it uh, with some little Danish podcast. Uh, just yeah, amazing, amazing. So thank you very much. No, thank you. I apologize for uh, being <laughs> being so hard to get a hold of, but you know, work always takes over. Um, of course, you are a busy man. I I know that. Yes, I am. <laughs> But uh, Hans, um, because this is a Porsche podcast, and and I think uh, those those who know who have who are familiar with you, with your last name, of course, know that you are uh, related to one of the most um, well famous and uh, well known uh, Porsche design guys. But but I would like to just actually start by talking uh, about you and uh, and. You're, you have a, an extremely huge passion for Porsche. So, so going back to the early days of your life, how how can you remember the, sort of the first uh, remembrance of being aware of of this Porsche brand, these cars? Is is that something you can remember? Yeah. Uh, well, um, my first interaction with Porsche, of course, I don't remember because my my father picked me and my mother up after I was born in Detroit in the hospital with his 356 Carrera, which I have <laughs> no memory of being picked up on, but this car remained in our household uh, until I was about 30 years old. So um, the car was always there. The furniture changed, the houses changed, the locations and, and country. Okay. Porsche was always there, and there, and that's the car I learned how to drive in. So, like a Carrera engine, Furman engine, three fifty or no? It, it was a it was a three fifty six Carrera A. It was ah, a fifteen hundred ah. GS. Yes, yes. In in full race trim. Oh, yes. And um, my father bought it brand new in nineteen fifty nine. That was three years before I was born. Yes, and uh, he actually took a loan from his boss, Bill Mitchell, to purchase the Carrera for uh, the unzagly amount of three thousand dollars back then. It was a factory order, and uh, it was a black Carrera with Rudge center lock wheels. Yeah, it had the factory roll bar in there. It had the Stinger exhaust. It had a black interior. It was a um, It was a fantastic car, and um, he raced it extensively. He drove it uh, all the way to the day he sold it. So he was one of the wow. first Porsche employees that uh, got employed by Porsche, owning a Porsche already, and wow. still owning it as he retired. So that's a nice little story on the side. That is a that's a very nice story. So, so, so when you were born, I, how long ago? How old are you now? If I can. Uh, ask? Oh, I'm 60 years old now. I'm. I ah. was born 1962. Yes. And yeah, it's. Uh, Congratulations yeah, it's, on your 60th birthday. Then must have been <laughs> within the last couple of months, maybe. Yeah, it was. It was last year uh, in June. Okay. I, I turned 60. Okay. Okay. So, 
So so that means that um, that your father was was uh, hired by Porsche before you. Uh, no, you must you you couldn't have been born then. No, um, my uh, I was I was born 1962 in Detroit. Yeah, and my father was working for General Motors back in the day for in the so-called Studio X, yeah. being responsible for the Stingray Corvette and uh, some other. Uh, actually, very famous General Motors show cars. Yeah. In 1967, he got the offer to transfer to Opel, which was owned by General Motors back in the day, to head up the advanced design in in Germany in Riffelheim. Yeah. And he, of course, took advantage of that because to this day, and I'm no different. If you can get an Uh, an assignment in a foreign country it usually helps your career a lot so he he took it uh mm. with a well because he was able to return to europe uh he was born in riga latvia yeah. and through the war efforts that's how he ended up in the united states but he always was a little homesick for for a good old uh europe with the with the uh, old architecture the different languages Because he did speak eight languages, as you might know. Yeah. And so he he always had a big tie to, to Europe. And after he retired, of course, he, he did stay in Europe. Uh, to to um, And that's where he also passed away. Yeah. And yeah, it was it was a great ride uh, coming to Frankfurt back then as a yeah. eight, uh, six-year-old. <laughs> I, we arrived in Europe uh, for, for a two-year stint with Opel. Yeah. And of course, he took advantage of going full bore with with new design work. Yeah. And uh, his dream was always, and I, I know that talking to some old friends of him, uh, and the first mention of Tony talking about going to Porsche actually goes back to 1954, okay. as he was sitting at the. Uh, pit wall in Sebring, uh, just freshly dating my mom, mm -hmm. and together with uh, Gene Garfinkel and Robert Cumberford. Uh, Robert Cumberford still writes for Road and Track, I believe. Okay. And he he mentioned to them as Hushke von Hanstein was lining up the the spiders at the pit wall. Yeah. He turned around and told Gene, uh, and he quoted that one day I'm going to be working for these guys, and that was 1954. <laughs> And so, uh, fast fast forward to 1968. Um, Porsche was uh, was visiting General Motors in the states uh, to look at the design center and the technical center of uh, or the R and D proving grounds in Detroit, and yeah. because they were about to build Weissach, and. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so they, they went down, uh, went to Detroit, were transferred back to Rüsselsheim to look at the proving grounds of Opel, which was a miniature uh, of, of the U.S. proving grounds and R&D center. Hmm. So they wanted to replicate Rüsselsheim Opel R&D center, which, of course, they didn't, but they used it as inspiration. Yeah. And that's where... Butzi and Fernand Piech first talked to my father back then. Yeah. And, uh, of course, uh, he hit it off with Ferry very well and um, at all odds with Ferdinand Piech because Piech, of course, uh, 
wasn't a designer, but he was a brilliant engineer. Yeah. And my father had an engineering background uh, from Mercedes-Benz. So oh, okay. that sparked interest in, in, oh, who do we have here? And they were already experiencing difficulties with the family members working in, within the Porsche uh, company. Okay. They started talking uh, very nonchalant and would you be interested in maybe, but it wasn't quite clear if they would move forward. So my father sat down with uh, Dick Soderberg, who uh, was working at Opel back then, yeah. Peter Reisinger, who was later the chief modeler at Porsche, and uh, Möbius, Wolfgang Möbius was at yes, Opel as well. Yes, yes. So, um, and, and Möbius came from Detroit with my father to go to Opel, and that's where they met Dick Soderberg. And these four sat down and said, well, how could we inspire Porsche to hire us? Because who wants to write an application and send a resume? Mm. So they decided the only way to spark Porsche's interest is to beat them on the racetrack. <laughs> and that inspired them to, um, I think it's uh, 50 years later you can talk about, it. they funneled funds aside from the Opel, uh, Opel budgets and built a Opel Record race car, which turned out to be, be the Black Widow. Maybe you are aware of that. No. It was a two-liter sedan yeah. that was built in 1967. Uh, Opel actually recreated this car. It okay. was an Opel Black two-door sedan, which they built by a Swedish engine builder who had NASCAR experience. And they, 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 they created a whole new rear axle. They had upside-down transmissions in there. They had, you know, the works. Yeah. And they went out, and Eric Bitter, who you might remember for the Bitter cars, mm. um, the CD cars, yeah. he was a race car driver back then, and he was sent down by Huschke von Hunstein yeah. to help Opel with a race car setting up. But they didn't really know why, but uh, it's, and I haven't gotten down to the bottom yet why Eric Bitter was sent, but he was sent by Huschke von Hunstein to drive this Opel race car in in uh, three races. So um, mm -hmm. they did that, and they did beat the... Uh, they won one race straight out. They crashed in the other one or did not finish, but it was enough to spark the interest of mm -hmm. Ferdinand and Ferry Porsche, mm -hmm. or Ferdinand Piech and Ferry Porsche, to say, oh, this guy doesn't know, not only know how to design cars, but he also knows how to engineer cars, which yeah. Porsche back then was not Porsche AG, it was Porsche Engineering Company. Yeah. And so they, they uh, started talking, they came to an agreement really fast. I think in early 1969, um, we were sent to Austria for a skiing trip, and that's where the contract was signed. And after that, we had to leave our schools. We moved, and then we moved down to Stuttgart. And my, my parents relayed to us that we're not going back to the States yet. Okay. So we stayed in Stuttgart. And the first few, uh, the first year or two, he was working in Suffenhausen until Weisach was finished. But Weisach uh, had the design studio then, which they planned from scratch on. Yeah. And the rest is history. Wow. So... 
So you had to uh, you you were in uh, like uh, first second grade in Detroit uh, in like uh, yes. a preliminary school do you call that just normal uh, mm-hmm. and then you had to move to Europe yes and you did um, you did not speak German in this at this point in your life uh, not very good we had some German lessons because my my parents knew that we're going to end up in Europe for a while. So okay. we we had German lessons, but of course in Germany, every region has a different accent, and yeah. uh, the Frankfurt accent is is pretty rough on you, and the Swabian <laughs> accent even rougher. Yeah. So yeah. I accused my parents that we we learned the wrong language because I did not understand a single word at school. <laughs> <laughs> no, and uh, I I understand why. <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. Well, I was just. Uh, I didn't actually expect you to be able to speak German. I just remember when we when we wrote about uh, making this uh, this podcast happen. You said you wrote me. Uh, I can uh, I can also do it in German, but my Danish is zero. No, I, and I, I just thought, wait, okay. So you actually can. You do speak fluent German now. I speak I speak fluent German uh, because I went through the whole German school system okay. uh, all the way through high school. Yeah, uh, but uh, that was was an interesting ride. I'm very grateful to have learned the second and third language. Uh, we learned yeah. French uh, as we were in Europe. And, yeah, um, the, the the European education I'm very grateful for because yeah. it was very broad, very in depth. Yeah, and comparing it to the American school system, I'm very, very grateful I had the opportunity to do that. Yeah. Okay, so so that means that your 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 father's very determined here, and he sort of finds out the the only way to to make these Germans hire me is is to beat them on the racetrack, which is, I mean, those they were they were pretty, they were doing pretty good in the early in in the fifties with the, with the spiders and and also. I guess the the three fifty sixes were doing uh, pretty okay in the be- in the beginning as well. Yes, uh, and and the Opel uh, the, that he built actually competed against nine eleven, ah. and they beat them. <laughs> yeah, okay, and then and then the moving that means you actually also uh, sort of going to a uh, German uh, through the German school system while your father was involved in. Also developing the Weissach uh, apartment, or was he, or was he just focusing at this point on, on designing what should be maybe the the nine Well, well, he was he was he, he had a he had a whole load of work ahead. He had to restructure and and um, replan how design is being made at, at Porsche. Yeah. Uh, so he did set up an entire new studio in in Weissach. Yeah. Parallel to that, he, he assisted in the layout of Weizach of itself, which, uh, of course, he wasn't telling them how to do engineering or, or whatever, but they helped in, in the aesthetic way how to how to move forward in Weizach. Okay. And and were you interested in uh, cars at this point? No. no. Zero. <laughs> Zero. Uh, I, 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 yeah, I was... I was uh, big into horses. My mother always had horses and I was a, a pretty accomplished uh, rider myself and I okay. did a lot of competition riding. Okay. And I, I, I always loved animals to this day mm. and 
the the way we grew up, uh, my brother and I, when usually children get sent to their room or they have to do a chore, uh, when my brother and I did something stupid, we were sent to the garage. And we, we have to replace spark plugs or we have to uh, put new brake pads on. Um, my father was under the impression, well, um, if, if you have to punish them, at least they should learn something out of it. And yeah. children, don't, children don't learn out of mistakes. So he took it a step further and says, I'll teach you how to do an oil change or change spark plugs, set timing on a car. Wow. And depending on the... Um, how bad <laughs> our misbehaving was. Uh, if it was very, if it wasn't too bad, we got away with rebuilding, uh, just putting on new brake pads, for example. <laughs> uh, but my brother and I, we burnt down a hillside in the village where we live. So uh, we actually, with 12 years old, I had to rebuild a four cam Carrera engine. And it took my brother and me about three months to do that. So, there was no meeting up with friends or anything, but I know how to rebuild engines. You rebuilt a 4-cam engine at the age of 12? Yeah, I was, yes. <laughs> Together with my brother. My brother was the better mechanic. But, um, and that's one, of the reasons why, <laughs> that's one of the reasons why I didn't like cars, because they were always connected for me with punishment. Yeah, yeah. But I knew them. I knew how to do it very well. <laughs> and then later in life, as, as I went through my apprenticeship program, I went to school, uh, higher education, I, you're always struck for money. So I remembered, hey, I know how to make money on the side. Yeah. So I went to the junkyards, picked up old cars, refurbished them, yeah. and uh, and sold them off for uh, the maximum profit possible. Yeah. So, and that's how I got through school and and my apprenticeship days. Oh, um, that's amazing! I I think you that is maybe the best punishment system I've I've ever heard of. <laughs> I I did the same with my children. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this car is restored through punishment. <laughs> Uh, pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> and and um, the engine that I rebuilt as I was 12, I still own that engine. Wow. But, you know, it, you, you, of course you know uh, uh, better than me, uh, Will Hoyt, and, but also Peter, Peter Evers in, here in, in Denmark. Uh, are you familiar with him? Yes. As far as I know, he is, there are maybe three or four people left who can sort of you know, restore the Furman engine, also, you know, just, you know, putting it together, it's supposedly 120, 30 hours. I, are you able to yes. still, uh, you know, do the timing yeah. of these engines as well? Yeah, I'll never forget how to do that. I'll never forget wow. that. No, I have, I have more shop manuals, I have drawings, I have sketches on, on how to set certain things, how to Uh, yeah. Put the bearings in, especially the hearth bearings. Yeah. Um, how to do the timing? How to advance everything? That when you tighten everything up, it's it's almost perfect. Wow. So there are a lot of tricks. I have a lot of notes and memos still. I never threw that away. No. And I have, I think, um, you know, the typical German lights lights uh, folders. I have about four of them just for four cams. Just just technical details and tricks and tips. Okay. Wow. 
because uh, and that engine to, that engine together with these uh, with these folders are my retirement. I'm going to sell that off someday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I know if you go to Peter in uh, in uh, in Aalborg, it what a new engine is around uh, a well. One million Danish kroner. What is that? That is at the one hundred forty thousand U.S. dollars at the current uh, rate. Oh, way more, way more. I already had offers for three hundred thousand for my engine. Yeah, yeah, but he's you know he's redoing a new. He's making new ones like uh, replicas. But I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, with 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 Capricorn, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, but the the real deal. I know that's. That's expensive. Do you, do you? Yeah, have... I, I'll just I'll just wait. <laughs> yeah, they, they will only get uh, more expensive for sure. Yeah, absolutely, best investment ever. You only have one. <laughs> I have two. I actually have two That's engines. Awesome. I have a brand new. I have a brand new one still in the box. Whoa. That my father bought 1971 for two thousand Deutsche back then in Sofenhausen and. He bought, I think, three engines back then, and I have one of them. Wow! He was also uh, at at you know when he bought his uh, his first three fifty six. He 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 was fascinated by the the Carrera engine as well. At at this point, yes, he yeah. was a mechanical nuthead. <laughs> okay, amazing, amazing. But so so so. Uh, You 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 sort of went through uh, the German uh, school system and and uh, when when did you, s- you you must have seen like like f- uh, Fuhrman and and just the Porsche family coming uh, at your home and, oh, and, yeah. and a lot of oh, different yeah. cars but you were like no I I don't care I want to go to the horse school exactly exactly no we had uh, uh, the PAs were were visiting us every once in a while. Uh, yeah. uh, during the early seventies, it it, it 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 slowed down later. But Butzi Porsche was living in the same village as we were living. Yeah. Pushke von Hanstein was at our house quite often. Jürgen Barth was a, a oh, very yes. regular guest, and I still hold contact with him yeah. because um, yeah, he's still a huge staple in my world, yeah. uh, especially oh, when oh, it yeah. comes down to research. I I still rely on asking him and getting a good answer. Yeah. Um, but Peter Gregg uh, visited us often. Bob Wallach was there. Peter, uh, you know, it was just endless people <laughs> walking in and out of our house. And it took me, unfortunately, 20 years to realize who the hell these people were. But yeah. back then they were just annoying because we had to be quiet or we had to go to our room and stay away. So, yeah. you know, uh, children have a different perspective on growing up than Of, of course, uh, on their surroundings. It's like growing up, growing up, uh, having one of the Beatles as your father, and you just want them to shut up. <laughs> you don't know yes, what exactly. You don't know what's going on. Yeah, yeah, no. I thought you know. <laughs> uh, I didn't realize how how much impact my father had on the Porsche world, yeah. and I really didn't care back then because he was. I just saw him as my father, of course. And of course. Uh, but I had a fantastic childhood. He took me, or he took all of us children on endless trips through Europe. He was a he was very knowledgeable in history. Yeah. I think we got a better history lessons from him than in <laughs> any school I went to. Yeah. 
um, we we always traveled in style, meaning uh, we we were in Porsches, <laughs> on, sitting on back seats and, and cramming in, and uh, it, it was it was great fun uh, growing up. He was uh, he was not home a lot, but when he was home, he uh, we had great times. We yeah. learned a lot, and it was always. Um, and he was just a great mentor. He was more than a father. He was also a mentor, how to mm. react and act towards other people. He was very, very big in manners. And uh, we we always had to sit straight in the chair, no slopping around, you know, no feet on the table. No. Uh, you have knife and fork in both hands, and you use your napkin. Yeah. You know, I mean, just everything. <laughs> but um, it's it's a good education. Yeah. Do how how many uh, how many children were you? Uh, we were three. I had an older brother and a younger sister. Okay. And my brother, who was uh, very much into cars, actually uh, went to engineering school. And about uh, right after he got his diploma, he 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 thought I'll never work in in, in the car industry. So he decided to become a cook, and he went to Switzerland. Became oh. a um, actually, he worked in in star Michelin star restaurants. Yeah, and um, in Basel, he thought that's where. I beg your pardon. In Basel, or where? Where were he? He was in he was in Basel. Yeah. He worked in in France a little bit. Mm. He uh, he worked uh, Italy a little bit, Switzerland, okay. but he used that only to. His big dream then was to live on a boat, so he bought a Dutch-built 1930 schooner, restored it, and wow. um, sailed around the world for nine years. And um, <laughs> being a cook, he just would have to show his resume to any a hotel resort, and they would hire him immediately. Yeah, and he would he would stay there for like two three months, and he would get paid well, but he also would fill up his pantry in yeah, the boat yeah. with the goods from the hotel and then he would excuse my French fuck off and, and uh, yeah. sail for another nine months around the world so he wow. he did that for nine years that's amazing uh, uh, with his family or on his own or no with his family okay wow that that that's the way to live Oh, I, 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 I we, 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 to this day, we argue who did it right, <laughs> because I went to school and I started my career and he waited nine years to start his career. So yeah. he, he, we always argue, well, I have to work till the end of my day and yeah. Hans, you can retire. So, um, but he had great memories. He had a fantastic, uh, life to look back on. Yeah. Well, it's not a competition who, who did it right, I guess, but. Oh, siblings is always a competition. <laughs> always. <laughs> who's who's the faster mechanic? Yeah, yeah. Who's the best? Well, right. Okay. But then, then, uh, then you 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 went through um, the uh, like uh, elementary school, and after elementary school, you what what did you do then? Yeah, you know, I went to high school um, in Germany. And, uh, actually. I, Yeah, I went to several high schools. Uh, one high school I got kicked out of because uh, <laughs> I drove the, my motorcycle down the hallway. I thought that was funny. And uh, got expelled immediately. That was unheard of in Germany. 
And so I, I went to a continuation school for another six months. And then I, I hated school, to be honest. Yeah. And so yeah. I started an apprenticeship as a prototype builder at Porsche. And um, I did a, I did a three and a half year apprenticeship at, uh, in Baithach. Yeah, and was exposed to. I think on my first day, I was allowed to participate on the nine fifty six program, the first Group C cars they built. Yeah, and the program started actually on the day I started at at, at Porsche, and I started very low level, you know, learning and um, learning the skill set from the masters there. And wow. Throughout the years, I, I, I worked on the entire 956 program. I worked on 959 Paris-Dakar cars. I worked on uh, Airbus projects. I worked on uh, Formula One, the TAC McLaren days. Yeah, I, was, yeah. I was doing some stuff there. Um, every shift knob of every 956 I built. Uh, I, I had to build every one of them on the lathe. It was a two-week job with Walter Nair back then. Wow! I I didn't know yeah. this. I, I I there's no where, where do where, is this information uh, that that anyone can read on like on your your past work with Porsche because I I have been googling. No, I'm I'm. I'm no, I, um, people I know and friends and and uh, people that that. Uh, accompanied me during my entire life know about this but okay. I never wrote anything down no, no. Uh, I think there are two three articles where it mentioned that okay. and I saw pictures uh, back in the day uh, okay. but yeah it was it, I, it was the foundation to what I still do today so yeah. um, whatever I learned at Porsche which um, was an amazing four years I spent there Yeah. Uh, I was exposed to so many projects, but even then, uh, my father was still working in Visa. Uh, he was not very happy that I joined Porsche. He didn't know that I applied there. And oh, I, I thought maybe he... Of his, okay. No, 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 I didn't want... He would never do that. No. Uh, but he would help you with advice, but he wouldn't He wouldn't help you in getting a job or... or, or uh, having somebody removed so you could take a slot. He, he had too many ethics to do that. Mm. And I'm grateful that I don't owe him exactly. a favor. You made your own way. <laughs> yeah, no, but... I, I always wanted... To, I'll always be accused of him helping me out, but yeah. uh, my children go through the same thing. Yeah, of course. But but the, So that means that, that, that at some point before you applied to Porsche, your interest in cars must have sort of... You know, ascended, or you know. Yeah, it it it, uh, it changed as as I was sixteen, seventeen. I I started liking motorcycles more than horses, and then um, I think my my first car was a Deuxchevaux uh, Citroen. Yeah, which okay. of course uh, everybody will be in shock now, but I can. I can uh, relieve everybody. I installed a R100 motorcycle motor from the BMW <laughs> in there because it was a flat two cylinder, air cooled. Yeah, I thought I don't really need a I, I don't really need a reverse uh, gear. <laughs> I can push the car back. So I had a five speed Dershowitz with about seventy five horses, and there was nothing more 
uh, cool than going down the, a German Audubon at 160 <laughs> with a Deutsche and skinny tires. <laughs> but um, but luckily I crashed that thing. Uh, I think four weeks after I finished it, I just totaled that thing. <laughs> and uh, after that, I bought a, a, a Beetle and I put mm. my Carrera engine in there. Wow! I put the four I put the four cam into my <laughs> my nineteen sixty six Beetle, and I drove that on the road there for about three years. And then my father pulled me aside and told me that it might be a good idea to preserve the four cam because the way I'm driving it is just like fire breathing uh, and dangerous. So the engine out installed the original motor again, thought it was the most boring car ever, <laughs> and I sold it immediately. Yeah. And um, and then I bought a Renault Alpine A110. Oh, and yes. that thing I drove for the a French long Porsche. time. It was just... Oh, no. Yeah, but I was blowing engines all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Could you fit the 4-cam <laughs> into this? Oh, yeah. I had the 4-cam in the Beetle. No, but could you fit it into the uh, Alpine A10? No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I I drove uh, I drove the um, the Renault engine. I usually would go to the junkyard, get an R12, take the engine out, and put it in the the Alpine. Um, the Alpine engine, the Renault engines would usually last me about nine months, ten months, <laughs> and then they were fried. Okay, because you you were just racing these cars, really. Yeah, it was always about where I, where I lived. Um, I lived in in the outskirts of the Black Forest, and it was literally a beautiful race track every morning going to Visa. Wow. And uh, I always saw nothing under eight thousand RPM. Just go for it, yeah. and I just loved it. Wow, um, um, amazing! You you're like the you know the prototype of a real Porsche guy. Just you know, full gas, as they say. All the time, <laughs> yeah. I don't know about that. I I I, I, try, I usually stay away from big Porsche crowds, and uh, I don't like big gatherings. I, I still enjoy racing. I still race my cars. Yeah, but uh, things like cars and coffee, I, I rarely attend. Mm. I, I maybe go there once a year. Okay. Uh, it's it's. I don't want to be be. Um, ungrateful towards the Porsche crowd, but uh, I sometimes have the impression that they only have that in their life and nothing else. <laughs> I think you're right. It's too extreme, and I love my family. I, I, I have growing up kids. I'm a grandfather. Yeah. I have uh, I have other priorities. I always had other priorities. I, I always liked racing. It always had a big, high stand in my life, but Yeah, uh, my family has a higher stand. Yeah, and uh, and my animals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you never go. I I, I listen to every uh, every week uh, in, uh, on the Thursdays when I go to work. I always listen to Spike uh, Spike's car radio. Do you do you ever listen listen to that? Is that something you? No, nothing. Okay, it's just funny because uh, you know. Uh, It's uh, it's this podcast featuring uh, often Jerry Seinfeld is is on it and they they have these uh, car meetings in Malibu at Malibu uh, where they eat the uh, do are you, yeah 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 do you, no I'm I 
I go there maybe once or twice a year, but not not more often. It's it's fun. Don't get me wrong. No, I, no, I enjoy that, but I don't I don't want to do that every weekend. No, no. And um, I don't want to wake up and and oh my gosh, I have to do this and this and, and run around and keep my car in perfect condition. <laughs> no. all, of my, all of my cars, uh, it's very rare that all of them run. There's always one that's taken apart and being approved. Yeah. But I, I still enjoy wrenching, but I still like doing it myself. But I was just also uh, curious on, on uh, where, where do you, you live in California, right? Also in, in Los Angeles or... I, I live in Los Angeles, and okay. um, I, I, I live very close to the harbor. I have a beautiful view to uh, see the ocean every day. Okay, but I have a um, a little old warehouse, and that's where I keep my cars and my parts. I have a huge library yeah. uh, of of books of, um, and yes, they are only Porsche books and race car books. Um, uh, it, it's literally. A warehouse just packed with Porsche memorabilia, parts, cars, um, and then I, I still have a fable for artwork. I, I love artwork. Okay, oh, sculptures good. and paintings and all that. So. Yeah, yeah. Oh, interesting, interesting. Well, uh, uh, I have uh, I, I'm you know sort of leaning my way up to your uh, going through all your Porsches because you sent me a list of uh, of all these cars that I and I have to go through them but uh, not not in a hurry but then then uh, at this point four years with the with Porsche you were involved in the 959 which is amazing it that is maybe maybe my well car number one uh, of all the Porsches ever made it's were you also <laughs> involved in putting uh, putting the drive train into the Lada Samara did you, were you involved in this No, no, <laughs> okay. No, I, I, I um, my, my work is is uh, from from eighty to eighty five. That okay. uh, those were the projects I was involved in. Okay, but did you know that they that that they used the the nine five nine the drivetrain in a in a ladder that went to Paris Dakar as well? Yeah, that's the one I worked on. Oh. Uh, the Paris Dakar. I did the the uh, I did the molds for the rear body panels. Okay. Okay. Oh, amazing. Amazing car. Have you have you uh, do you ever get the chance to drive one of these cars? Yeah, is that um, not happening? For the anymore? most part, yes, but I, I never drove a 959. I, I drove a 956, I drove 962s, I did 935s, 910s, 906s. Yeah. All the good stuff, but yeah. I never drove a 959. Okay. Oh, never mind. Okay, but then the Four years uh, with with Porsche, and uh, and then you are in your twi- uh, I guess uh, early twenties. Yes, and then um, I oh, I was I was struggling uh, because in 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 Porsche working R and D you didn't make a lot of money. No, and so I wanted to venture out into design because I did a lot of wind tunnel work, aerodynamic work, and I, I actually like working with clay. Yeah. And then Peter Reisinger, who I mentioned early on, who was at Opel with my dad, who was his chief modeler. Yeah, yeah. He he had a, the very same apprenticeship as I enjoyed, and of course he knew me as a kid on. Yeah. And he took me aside uh, one day as I was working in the wind tunnel, and and Peter came over because design was doing was doing a project right after our schedule in the wind tunnel, 
And he was looking at my work and he said, you know, Hans, you should maybe think about becoming a uh, design clay modeler because you do have talent. Yeah. And I said, yeah, but I can't do that at Porsche because I can't work with my dad and he would never allow it. And B, I would never want to do that because mm. uh, I'd have to work twice as hard as everybody around me and, and get, get a, uh, get more money as the last person in the, in the department. So, yeah. Uh, I said, I can't do this here at Porsche. And he says, don't worry, I can help you. So he put out a phone call and came back the next day and says, he talked to his counterpart at Mercedes and they're about to hire uh, three new junior modelers to to train as clay modelers. Mm. And I thought, well, holy shit, this is just gift made in heaven. So I, I called them and they said, oh yeah, we heard about you and yeah. Um, Peter Reisinger, who we do appreciate a lot, and we know his work and his ethics and standards. He said that you have a lot of talent, and you maybe you should join us. And I said, of course. So I I I, I, I applied at Mercedes Benz. Four weeks later, I had my first interview and got the job. Yeah. Quit well. Porsche and um, and uh, yeah, I, I had about a three month window before I, I started at Mercedes Benz. So I decided to pack up my motorcycle and drive all the way up to Narvik and in, yeah. in, uh, all the way up, past the Polar Circle. Yeah. And uh, uh, spent some time in Finland, Norway, Sweden, uh, just just drove down every stupid road I could find because I love the area up there. Scandinavia is a beautiful area. Yeah, yeah. And spent spent about two and a half months up there, came back, uh, lost lost a ton of weight and uh but it was it was a great trip. I, I, I went along the Russian border in Finland and it was just uh, mind blowing. Yeah. It was a fantastic trip. And I drove I did that all alone and I got to meet so many people. Yeah. And I returned back to, to Stuttgart, started out at Mercedes-Benz. Yeah. And growing up, I spent a lot of time uh, seeing how the Porsche studios ran because we spent a lot of weekends uh, with my father in the studio building his personal projects. Yeah. So um, I didn't really see Mercedes as my future because they were a very old school type design studio back then and it was mm. very rigid and very german very structured and yeah. i always thought that every studio is like the porsche design studios it's packed full of americans and french people and austrians and people from all over the world come together they, for hell there were people from india working <laughs> at porsche design back then wow. uh, great people you know ranjit was was an amazing designer and yeah. I thought, oh, I, I'm 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 going to be able to continue speaking English at work. How cool is that? And then you work, and then you start at Mercedes Benz, and it's all these Germans, and and you think, oh my gosh, where where did I end up? You know, yeah. they're all running around in gray coats and and little rulers and pencils in their in their work <laughs> coats. And I thought this is not really a design studio. So um, I started thinking, well, I like the work, I like clay work. So what do I do? And then Harm Legai, who yeah. was the Porsche, yeah. he, uh, who I thought was this uh, crazy Dutch guy, um, <laughs> and he he was he was not not, not that much older than I am. 
so he started a new gig. He just left Ford and was going down to Munich to go join BMW, uh, doing the BMW Z1. Yeah. And he says, Hey, I, you know, I'm starting out a team. I need clay modelers. I need designers. Do you want to join? And I, and I said, yeah, I'll start in tomorrow. So I, I hung yeah. up the phone, went to my <laughs> boss, quit Mercedes Benz and, uh, packed my car and, 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 and left for Munich. I always lived very light, always, always at the verge of traveling and, and yeah. moving very fast. So I, I started at BMW. I had had uh, a great time working with Harm Guy because that was a real studio. There was mm. Americans and British and, and Swedish people working there, and it was just amazing. Yeah. A lot of fun. I learned a lot under Harm. I owe him a lot from back in the day. Yeah. And then um, Harm went to Porsche, <laughs> and I went to Audi, and. That's where our, our, our days parted. I think there's a little article in the last 000 magazine. Uh, there was an article on Harm the Guy. And yeah. there's actually the story where I drove Harm to Porsche to pick up his two company cars. And then I took his old BMW company car back to BMW. Yeah, and handed in my notice right after that and left for Audi. And then um, I still have contact with him. We still talk. And yeah. meet every once in a while uh, when I'm in Munich. I, I, I try to visit him, and um, I, I started a career at Audi, uh, which was um, the, the the Kickstarter for my career, actually. Yeah, and um, I stayed with the VW Group then for 28 years. Yeah, and after 28 years building multiple show cars and erecting studios for them in Europe and then here in the States. Um, I, yeah, then the diesel scandal came and I thought this has no future for me. And uh, yeah. luckily uh, there was a lot of um, movement in our ranks, uh, people going to Asia and to Europe and all over the place. And I got a phone call from Korea and said, hey, you know, uh, why don't you join Hyundai and Genesis as, as the director for design operations? Yeah. And I said, well, hell yeah, I'm doing that. And uh, had my worked out a contract, and I actually have in my contract that on race weekends, if there's a race weekend, <laughs> I cannot work. I can I, I can attend. Uh, the only bad thing that they wanted that I uh, since I was always restoring cars. Uh, I was, I'm not allowed because of the conflict of interest. I cannot restore cars with other people anymore. So oh, I had to, no. I had a little race shop here, so I, I had to close that down yeah. and I just moved all, all, all stuff out of the warehouse and, yeah. uh, put my cars in there and it's my personal little Porsche world there and I'm very happy. Yeah, because I, 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 I Again, googling you, just uh, doing a little bit of research to, to today and also last week, I saw that uh, these articles that uh, Hans Lapin is uh, going to Genesis in was this in 2017? Yes, that, that's when I, I transferred to Genesis. That's electric uh, Genesis cars, is, right? Yeah, yeah. no, the, no, no. The, we, we, yeah, we have electric cars now, but uh, back then we still had. Um, regular engines in there, but, uh, it's electric car heavy, I would say. Yeah. And, uh, the, the, the trip is the, the, the 
path is going towards full electric, okay. but also being part of the Hyundai design group, yeah. I still can design regular cars, which is fun too. Wow. So you are actually ending up in your sort of father's footsteps. <laughs> Pretty much. And my children, my, my children as well. My, my, my oldest son is with Honda design here yeah. in America. Yeah. Wow. And my youngest son works for Mercedes Benz trucks up in, in Portland, Oregon. Um, he, he runs one of the fabrication studios there. So I'm a very happy person. My kids do well. Well, that's a, I guess that's the most important thing in life that your children uh, are doing good and having a, you know, more important than cars and coffee, right? Exactly. <laughs> way, way more. Ex- except on Sundays. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Except on Sundays. <laughs> but but uh, uh, La Guy was was he not? Um, did he not sort of take over after your dad left uh, in ninety yes. ish? Uh, in in 1989, as my father retired, um, he had a he had a massive heart attack a year prior, and so he oh. was. Um, Porsche was always struggling with money and uh, yeah. funding for new cars. So yeah. um, he thought, you know what, it's maybe time to to, to uh, step down. And harm and, and harm was suggested also by him and others. So um, Harm Harm joined Porsche, and it was pretty flawless um, takeover by him. And uh, of course, Harm Harm does not look into the past, so he cleared out everything that he didn't the, from the past in the studio. And I took the opportunity back then and grabbed a lot, and so that's <laughs> why where I get a lot of my memorabilia from. Yeah! Wow! Fantastic! And he he was also responsible for. For moving a Porsche into the water-cooled uh, world, wasn't he? The, the 996. Well, uh, well, he he was definitely part of it. I don't think he was responsible because that no, that no. that uh, decision is taken higher up. Yeah, yeah. But um, Pinky Lai, who I also worked with at BMW, joined joined Harm there, and he penned the 996. Yeah. And Grant Larson, who did the Porsche. Boxster, yeah. I worked at. Uh, he was at Audi at some point too. So uh, we all know each other. Yeah, amazing. That's that's just uh, you know, that's just amazing in itself. But but I think we also need to talk a little bit about your Porsche cars, actually, if 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 you don't mind. <laughs> Absolutely, because you uh, you have a comprehensive uh, little. Collection of cars and uh, well, I, I I like the Porsches that nobody likes. Put it that way. Yeah, I only have one nine eleven. Yeah, and I have uh, I've seen that, but uh, you also have a uh, well, quite a, f- a few transaxle cars. Can can we maybe talk about your f- your first uh, Porsche? When when did you buy the first Porsche? Oh gosh, uh, my first Porsche was a three fifty six. It was a super ninety. Okay. Um, which I bought for four thousand dollars back then, and I drove it around with big holes in the floor. Yeah, but it was probably the first um, uh, so-called patina restoration <laughs> back <laughs> in the eighties, yeah. as everybody thought. I'm I'm driving a piece of junk around, uh, but I was just concentrating on getting more horsepower out of my engine yeah. than in a four cam. So. Um, i enjoyed that a lot, but then I, I at some point I switched over in nineteen gosh, 
89 or 90, I bought a 914-6, yes. uh, which was a GT car. Yeah. And back then, nobody wanted them, oh. but I had, um, I traded it because I had the whole front end, uh, the, the front axle assembly of a 935 from uh, one of the Liqui Moly 935s. Whoa. And I traded those parts. Uh, so those were two calipers. Uh, um, I think, oh gosh, a couple of other things. There were some uprights and you name it. Mm. Uh, and I traded it for this 914.6 and everybody thought that um, yeah. the guy that got the parts got the better deal because <laughs> I only got a 914. Exactly. But I always liked the 914.6 because it was the better layout because it's the mid-engine. It's... Uh, it's a real true two-seater. Yeah. And the, for the two years that Porsche campaigned the 914.6 as a race car, it won more races than any 911 back then. Yes. So I knew it was the better car. Number six so in I, Le Mans? Yeah, yeah, for example. <laughs> yeah. And, and the list goes on. Yeah, <laughs> we can talk just... about Daytona and Sebring and, yeah. and other things. So. Um, I, I always wanted that because that's the car that nobody wants, mm. you know, and that's why I had a De Chabot and that's why I had a, you know, I always liked cars that nobody likes. Exactly. So, um, then I, I restored this 914 60T for, I would say the better part of eight years or nine years because it just took me so long to bring all the parts together, uh, because it was in a horrible state. Yeah. But um, but I have a 906 engine in there that has all the right stuff yeah. um, that belongs in there. Yeah. But it was uh, the car was taken apart at some point. Some parts got lost, and I got it as a uh, I would say as a body shell with a few parts attached to it. There was no engine. <laughs> there was no transmission in there. Nothing. And but the VIN number was there. The right. <laughs> The VIN number is there, and that's all that counts. <laughs> but um, but it took me quite some time because you know I I didn't I couldn't just spend money like stupid on the car. No, because I had a family to raise. Yeah. Uh, so it took me eight or nine years, and then I started racing that, which uh, I still have the car. I'm never going to sell that car. It's, it's it fits like a a good old leather glove that just fits your hand. Yeah. So when that thing twinkles somehow and I just feel it sitting in there, I know how the car reacts. I can drive it blind yeah. uh, about to, to uh, the racetracks. I know. I know every shift point. I know every noise. It's, it's uh, very familiar to me. Yeah. And I have a, it's a real relationship I have with that car. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody else is allowed to drive it. And uh, I don't even have a passenger seat in there because <laughs> it's, it's my car. And uh, that's my holy grail. But uh, is, that the, I, is that the Jay Leno show car? Or? No. Uh, that was another uh, car? It's a, that's the other car. Okay. That's, uh, it's a light gray car. I'll, I'll send you some pictures over but you can see it on my my um, my my Facebook page. I have it somewhere there. Ah, okay. And on my okay. Instagram account. So yep. that's that's all there. And then uh, can, let's see. Can I just ask have. you? Can can I, can I share some of these cards with the with the with the listeners on sure. on my page? Okay. Nothing yeah, is absolutely. Uh, nothing no, is I'll, holy. I'll send you. I'll send you some pictures over. Uh, some yeah, please. Some decent pictures of them. Yeah. Okay. You wow. 
So, so that was yeah, the sec- second, maybe, uh, maybe nine. nine uh, sorry, a Porsche. You 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 got hold of? Yeah, that was the that was the second car I owned from Porsche. Okay, but I always had the chance to drive a lot of Porsches, which was fun. Yeah. So, uh, like I say, I, I learned how to drive in the 356 from my father. Yeah. And um, learning how to drive was fun. Uh, because we 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 would go out as a as a thirteen year old or twelve year old, I would end up in Weizach on the test track on weekends, yeah. <laughs> and we would just because he was allowed on there, so I was just tagging along, yeah. and I, I learned how to drive on the skid pad in Weizach and on the racetrack, and of course, my father was a very accomplished race car driver, but oh. uh, also very. Ex- extremely confident as well yeah and that's where Jurgen Barth came in he was uh he was watching us on there and he took me to the side and says don't listen to your old man <laughs> never lift <laughs> <laughs> and so uh Jurgen had uh, gave me a few pointers as, as well as Bob Wallach uh gave me two real driving lessons on the track which I I still put all my my um driving talent on because he yeah. was my hero. Bob Wallach is for me one of the best, if not the best race car driver ever. Even if he didn't win Le Mans, yeah. because as a French, he was just denied not winning Le Mans, but he won everything else. And yeah. uh, even if he was driving for, for Yoast or, or other people, yeah. when the factory car broke down and you needed it to be limped home, you would call on Bob Wallach to bring <laughs> it home. There was no better driver than him. Amazing stuff. So you were actually taught by Bob Wallace at the Weissach test track to how to drive? Well, um, like I say, twice. Uh, <laughs> so maybe two hours of my life I owe to, to Bob Wallach, but wow. they're unforgettable for me because he was, yeah. before that, he was my hero, and after that, he was my god. Yeah. And this is uh, going on at while you were... Yeah, 13, 14, 15 years old. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I was in school. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but I I never needed a driving lesson. <laughs> my 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 driving teacher actually was was pretty insulted as uh, <laughs> he noticed that he doesn't he can't teach me anything. Not saying that I'm a great driver, but yeah. I knew how yeah. to I knew how to drive a manual. Put it that way. Yeah, I I know I've seen I've also seen uh, I think I found a picture with you and. Bruce Canopy racing somewhere. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mr. Nine Five Nine himself. Mr. Nine Five Nine himself, who uh, oh. I'm, I'm now. He's the, uh, I. I interact every once in a while with Bruce. Um, yeah. I help him out uh, just with some of the stuff I have. I have pictures, and my archives have have things that you cannot find in the Porsche archives, for example. <laughs> and if there's a one-off car somewhere that went through the design studio, and my father and his team were adjusting them, like uh, the, all the 916s from Louis the Pies or Brutus or you name it, I, I have all the information on these cars. You cannot find them anywhere else. So I, every once in a while, I get a phone call. I don't charge for that at all because mm-hmm. I'm more interested that the cars remain the way they were supposed to be. Yeah. And so I offer my my help, and in return, I uh, it's like the mafia. You give a favor, you take a favor. Of course. Do they do they ever call you from uh, Porsche? 
No. <laughs> <laughs> Why would they? They don't even know who I am. I which think, is good. I think they do. I think they do. Well, maybe I don't no. know because uh, you know I have uh, in Denmark we have a very nice guy called uh, Anders Sakas who is um, actually uh, he origins from Poland but he's the after sales uh, manager and uh, if for example you are looking for uh, let's say uh, an older Porsche somewhere in Denmark Germany I always we we are a lot of you know these us who are into old cars in Denmark we email Anders he. He sends uh, messages to Porsche, and then uh, he comes back to confirm if they have matching numbers. What when they were? What, you know, what yeah, co- no, that that uh, just the Cardex stuff. Yeah, no, that, yeah, that's yeah. one thing. That's that's easy. Um, no, I think uh, Porsche has changed a lot. Yeah, of in, course, in, I know. Yeah, and and I, my contacts with Porsche are, are minimal. Yeah, actually, yeah. Uh, at the best because. The people I was connected with and and the era, they all retired. They're all dead. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, and I maybe I don't want to say I'm the last because I really did not contribute anything towards that era. Mm. But I was a witness, yeah. and um, and that was that's what I'm grateful for. I'm a, I'm a I'm a witness of the time, a bystander that had nothing and zero to do with any of the accomplishments of Porsche so therefore I do not want to be called an expert or no, no. a know-it-all I just happen to have stuff that's all yeah. and that's by pure coincidence yeah well okay but then 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 uh, because I know we have uh, a few more casts to go through <laughs> and then you yes you, you, I know we uh, you 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 pick up your your next car at when when was uh, When was the next uh, coming into your sort of? Oh, sorry. Oh, that, that, that was... I don't know. There, there were there were multiple that went through my life. Um, I okay. had um, like eras. I had sixty nine nine eleven E's. Actually, that was an interesting car because Rob Dickinson bought that car from me, who's the founder of Singer Vehicles. Yeah. And if you look at the the mustard color nine eleven that he has, the the classic one, that's my old car. Wow. Of course it is. And then I, I had a few other 911s. I had, had SCs, Carreras, uh, 930s. Yeah. But um, they, I bought and sold them. But yeah. my uh, my 928, who I hold dear, of course, but that's more of, of emotional reasons. Yeah. Because uh, I, I, I still have a 928, and I'm going to hand that down to one of my children at some point. But it's in perfect and mint condition. It's there's not a flaw on that car. Is that and the one with very the low miles? Arnage license plate. Yeah, with the Arnage license plate. Oh, exactly. It, what yes. does that actually mean? That's the straight in Le Mans. <laughs> <laughs> Because I thought it was like a joke uh, saying this is car is Carnage, and then you you couldn't no, no, you couldn't no, afford no. to see. <laughs> no, no, Ar- Arnage is is ah. is uh, is Le Mans related. Ah, that's my ignorance. Sorry. Oh, now yeah, now, now it makes even more more sense. Yeah, and then then if you look at my 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 blue 911, I have a 1966 911, which is a also an old competition car, but I drive it on the street. Yeah, street legal uh, really car. That's that's the one of them you listed. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I love that car a lot. Uh, it's fun to drive. It's it's. Literally, I built it out of spare parts that I had in my garage. Okay. And I had 
I have this old 1965 uh, body shell, which is was registered in 1966 here in America, and I had it hanging off of the ceiling in my my workshop. And mm. I was talking with my wife and says, "Oh, we should once get an old 911." And she just looks up and says, "Well, why don't you just put that one together because you have one and." You know, we don't have to buy more junk. So and she actually has a point. And I went through the, my, my shelves and I thought, yeah. I have enough engines, I have transmissions, I have brakes. I can put everything together the way I wish. And so it has 908 calipers in there. It has magnesium wow. wheels. It has a, a 906 engine in there. It has a 912 transmission <laughs> because it's geared so short. That um, it's not a fast car, but it's very quick. Yeah, um, it, it's not faster. I think than it's geared the top speed at 160 kilometers an hour, but I have 200 horsepower to get there. So it's it's yeah. it's very fast on the hill, and that's what I like it for. Like very sort of low gear ratios to for, for acceleration. Yes. Yeah, rally yeah. setup. If you if you call it that, okay. Oh, amazing. Yeah, car. no, it's like a hill climb. It's like a hill climb. Setup. Yes, okay, okay. Wow. Um, uh, that thing, that thing, I, I, I love driving around. Um, then I have uh, a 933. Actually, I have two. Uh, one I'm the curator of. Uh, that's the prototype that was built in Baisach. Yes. A 933 is a 924. Yes. It was converted for SCCA racing in America, and they built uh, a number of 16 cars only. Yeah. And and the first prototype was chassis number 16, actually, that was developed by Al Holbert. Yeah. And, and um, oh gosh, who else? Mr. Andial and a few other guys. Um Yeah, and that was the that's the only car that was developed in Visa and they they sprayed it flat black and that picture you can see in every nine twenty four book. And I have that car. I have it in the original first livery now from the first race with Doc Bundy and and Al Holbert racing the car. And then I have another nine thirty three. Can we just stay with this car? Because when did you get yeah. this car? How 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 did it how did it end up on your, your hands and It's a very special car. The first time I encountered the car, it was a body shell. Yes. Uh, that was about 15 years ago, and nobody wanted it. Okay. And a friend of mine bought it and put it away. And uh, at some point, he put it together and put it up for sale. And uh, a good friend of mine bought the car. And he bought the car and kept it in America, and that's why I have it. It's been with me now for four years, and I'm the curator of it, and I race it for him. Okay. And so I, I maintain that car. And because the car is so much fun, I thought I need one myself. So yeah. I went on the uh, on the lookout, and I found the only 912, uh, the only 933 that was never put together because they were built as kits, and you would get a body shell and the engine and everything. You would put everything together. Yeah. And I found the only one that was never put together. So it's a brand new car. Yeah. And it was in the uh, Al Holbert's estate and was sold off uh, quite some time ago. And uh, we found it in a wooden crate in Connecticut. Mm -hmm. And 
bought it instantly and we put it together and I have a brand new 933 with zero race history but a lot of history due to that. Yeah. And what we've done with the car is we, we never put the original engine in because we put the latest development engine in from that race class. So I have the mm. car as it started as a prototype and I have the last evolution of engine uh, in my garage. And the number 12 has over 300 horsepower, yeah. normally aspirated engine. It's one of the fastest cars I, uh, with no turbo I ever drove. A Porsche you, can keep, you can keep up with RSRs with that thing. You can yeah. literally keep up with I, be, I believe you. <laughs> That's just a nine, you know, the, the, the basis is just the perfect uh, race car, per, you know. Oh, the beautiful, it's a beautiful, it's, it's again an unwanted car and that's why I love it. Yeah, but it's just a, yeah. I don't know, but uh, I, I don't race myself, but I've just heard a lot of people saying that these cars are just, you know, the the most easy to drive and if yeah. you drive them with the, like your talent I, I or, or, or whoever with so they're very forgiving they're very yeah, forgiving yeah, yeah and and they don't scare you no, um predictable um 911 is 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 once once you adapt to it it's, it's a fairly easy car to drive when you know how it reacts yeah. and i don't get me wrong i i enjoy it i love it yeah but everybody likes 911 exactly <laughs> so exactly Why date the same girl, you know? <laughs> But they are the you know the obvious choice, and I, I, I also have a nine fourteen and a nine two eight, and I'm on the on the lookout for a Carrera GT you know nine nine two four in Germany uh-huh. at the moment. So I I have the same uh, like I, I I like the the black sheep cars or what do you call them like the yeah exactly the, exactly the because anti halo cars or whatever. But 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 they are. They they are amazing. I mean, I don't understand why the 550 Spider and the Boxster. Uh, I mean, they are they are fairly recognized, but but I don't understand yeah. why the 914. It, it, I know it's it's getting a lot of uh, you know not praise, but still after it, after it uh, it turned 50 years old a couple yeah. of years ago, it's it's like it's it's, it's getting old. more attention, but. I mean, yeah. you you said it very well with Jay Leno on, on that show that this is a uh, no. I think he said this is a center engine car with the trunk and the front, and you can take the roof off. I mean, what's yeah. not to like? And it drives incredibly well as a race car. You can go through the like this, yeah. The no, it's, it's, straight it's, out. It's, I know it's an overlooked car, and and um, and on one hand, it's good. That it's overlooked. Exactly, you can get them cheaper, and you can get a lot of them if you want. <laughs> right, and you still can blow the doors off of any 911. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, they are really. As long as we stick with the same engine size, that's uh, you know. Yeah, I don't want to go up against the three liter. No, 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 no. no. But um, but but those were the two uh, race nine nine two four based race cars. The, And and when you say you are the curator of it, it means you you hold it and you keep it uh, you keep it alive. I maintain it. Right. I hold I hold it, maintain yeah. it. Um, a very good friend of mine owns it, okay. and um, yeah, yeah, it's it's in in my hands. It's in 
you get to drive it, but you don't have to pay for. <laughs> you get you get my drift. <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 just beautiful. Do you keep the, these all these cars in your in your yes. s- sort of facility? Okay. Okay. Yeah, they're all here. They're all here. And then you. And then I, I had I had a, a, a 944 Turbo Cup car, which oh. was uh, Jean Pierre Jaillet's car. Yeah. Which I I sold off uh, early this year. Okay. It went to the East Coast, and I think last time we talked, I was still owning that car, but I don't own that one anymore. Correct. You and, you wrote it was for it was for sale, and then now it's sold. Yeah, it, it's it's sold. Because you didn't like it, or just part of you know? No, I loved it. I loved it, but you know, I'm. I have to be realistic too. You know, I can only race so many cars. I can only keep so many cars running at the same time. Yeah. And um, when you end up running into the garage every weekend just to maintain everything and not get a break. Uh, it, it's not fun. No. Um, the the 933s or 924 in that sense is is more fun to me. Yeah. And the 914 is is uh, I just can't say no to it. It's it, like I say, it's going to be the last car I own. Yeah. And the uh, one of your chat, the 928. You know, the, you, you run into space problems too. Yeah. You just have to be realistic. Exactly. Exactly. And and and. Of course, the nine, the nine two eight. Uh, that is, uh, that's it's, uh, that's an obvious choice. But uh, if we if we can just talk a little bit about nine two eight, I guess you've talked about nine two eight for for the yeah. last thirty thirty years of your life. I guess <laughs> it's just no. It's it's it's. Uh, I love the car, <laughs> but of course, it holds a special place in my heart. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I, I was, I witnessed the whole development of the car. I saw the clay models. I saw the scale models. I saw the finished product. Yeah. Um, there, because I also wanted to know back then, not because what's that new car about. It's I needed to know what's the reason why my father isn't coming home and <laughs> spending so much time at work. So we would go to work and visit him there. Yeah. To 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 spend some time with him, and I understand how important that phase was because I I went through the same time frame in my career where you have that that iconic car you're working on, and you have to do day and night. You have to be fully invested. Yeah. And being a professional, you have to do that, and maybe the family will suffer a little bit, but. Yeah. You will have time to make up to it, but you just have to ensure that you have you take the time to make up. Yeah. A lot of people just continue that rack race, and exactly. that's something I learned from my father: is is you yeah. do a job, you do it really well, you invest in it, but yeah. then take a break yeah. and 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 recapture the life that you lost in that time. Yeah, exactly. He was a wise man. Oh yes. <laughs> yeah, no, but really, because that is, you know, uh, that is a really important uh, lesson. That no, that you don't, uh, you you don't get, uh, you know, if you do, if you don't do that, you get, uh, you know, like people say these days, you get a burnout. Yeah, and uh, you know, I have a T-shirt that I wear at work sometimes that has "Burnout is for quitters." <laughs> <laughs> The union people don't like me. <laughs> 
Well, but but the nine two eight, I mean the whole project. I I, I have this project nine two eight book where mm-hmm. and there's a great, great book. There's great a great book. picture with the. Is it is it only uh, Mr. Ernst Fuhrman sitting in the snow uh, with the this little yes. fire? I can't remember if you're. Yeah, that was in, that was in. in yeah, Finland. that was in Finland in in the winter testing month because yeah. every every car company goes up to Finland to test how their engines and heaters and their and the materials also uh, withstand the the extreme cold. Yeah. So uh, they were up there. Yeah. But um, my father never talked a lot about the days in Finland, but he talked a lot about the. Uh, testing in Northern Africa when they went through Tunisia and Morocco. Oh. And uh, he, uh, oh shit, he bought so much stuff down there. <laughs> I still have a, I still have a Berber caftan uh, from back in the day he brought back, which I st- which we used to use for skiing. <laughs> <laughs> so we would shock in, in, in the seventies, we would shock people um, in the Swiss Alps with an Arab coming down the, uh, the, the, the Mutterstein there and skiing. So it was fun. Yeah. Well, okay. But, but, but the whole, uh, I mean, uh, this is developed and I know it debuted in 1977. So you, yeah. uh, you, this was you being 17 years old when your father sort of had, yeah. I mean, it That's was, it's the only sports car to be named car of the year. And I, I mean, it, it must have been like, just i don't i don't know if you experienced it but looking back uh, that car was was really something special it was from it was it was from outer space yeah, and yeah. um i i remember in in 76 it must have been 76 he came home with the one of the first prototypes he drove home yeah and we were all uh, my brother and i were just So like this is the reason why you're not <laughs> home all the time, really. And I had a love hate relationship with with the 928. On, on one hand, of course, I knew it was my father's baby, and, and yeah. he he worked so hard and tirelessly to get his vision through, yeah. and he managed to do so. But it was so controversial, and and that was one of a very important design lesson I learned back then is. If you have to argue in your head with yourself, do you like it or do you hate it, but you can't find an answer, that's a good start for an, a timeless design. Yeah, yeah. If you like something from the get-go, yeah. it's bad. Yeah. If you like something, it will grow old on you, it will age very fast. And uh, later in my discussions with my father, we were talking about design, of course, design relations related work-wise for me and he gave me the advice you know just do it like i did it in the 928 i invited people in uh you know um, high-end customers or or race car drivers or people that were trusted by porsche to go into the design studio which of course is very confidential area and and it's a privilege to go into these design studios to this day Yeah. And he would invite them in and show them the car. And every time they says, oh, I love it, I love it. He would wait until they're out. And then he would tell his design team, scrap it. He liked <laughs> it. Do it again. And you want that controversial discussion, internal controversial discussion in your head. 
Do I like it or not? When you're arguing, oh, but this is good, but this is, I don't like this yet, and you're 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 dealing with something. Yeah. You know, you're working on something. Is is uh, what is it? What I like? What is it? What I hate? And well, while you're defining it, yeah. you're you're spending time with it, and that's iconic cars all have a flaw. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, every iconic helo car that is out there has a flaw. Yeah. And marketing these days, they don't want cars with flaws, and then they're upset that they don't have helo cars anymore. Yeah. So, you know, it's fairly easy to solve. Yeah. Interesting uh, point. Also, must also take. I mean, if 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 you are um, at well, Genesis, Porsche in the 70s yeah. or whenever, to have that they, you know, they they need to be able to trust the the person in the design, uh, you know, head of design person. Yeah, that, says, that doesn't happen anymore. If, if you keep questioning yourself as in search of the perfect right. sort of, uh, do I like this design? I don't think that is something that you can, is that possible today? <laughs> no. no, no. Today it's marketing and clinic groups and and uh, customer focus groups that determine that. Yeah, and that's why um, we have boring cars because every car has to be a seven seater or a four seater or you have to have this loading capacity. Yeah, frankly, uh, I, I couldn't care less how much loading capacity a car has if it's <laughs> fun to drive. Yeah, exactly. you know, I'd rather. You know, I'd rather have a toothbrush in my pocket and a credit card in my wallet, and you go off and 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 uh, go on a trip and you just buy what you need. But the car is cool to drive, so the trip is fun. Yeah. But driving the same thing in a minivan just because everybody fits in there and the AC works and yeah, it's just I don't know. Yeah. Too pragmatic. It's not controversial. No. But do you? How do you? How do you sort of see the the nine two eight? Do you also have a feeling that when you when you drive your own car and you and you compare it to what what else was out there, the the driving quality seems to be twenty years oh, ahead. Oh, it's superior. Yeah. Oh, it's superior. Uh, just look at the rear axle, and you know the Weissach axle. Yeah, is exactly. Just, uh, the most uh, decisive piece of, of mechanics I ever saw. It, it just It, it, you feel so comfortable, and then you realize, holy shit, am I fast going into this corner? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and the car drives drives like on rails. It's amazing, and um, it's 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 to this day. It it has great ride comfort. It still has a good punch with the engine. Yeah. Uh, the only difference I noticed is the car shrunk because, as I recall, yeah. seeing it for the first time, it was huge. Yeah. It was out from outer space, yeah. and now. It's a small car, and I don't. Re- and I, I really have a conflict to this day. It's like, <laughs> what went wrong? <laughs> yeah, but that, that I think a, a lot of people have have that feeling that this car used to be very big, and now if you if you take the nine two eight and compare it to the new nine nine two, for example, it 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 just oh, yeah. looks very small. But it fits in their trunk. <laughs> yeah, but that, I guess. That that's just the way it is. You need to put more equipment and technology tech stuff inside. Yeah. So so I guess the cars, I guess that's probably also one of the problems, isn't it? That they get bigger well, and bigger. Well, yeah, but yeah, but you have to build cars for the customers. You know, the people that buy the cars make the companies run. So exactly. Um, that's why you buy old cars for your emotions and 
you buy the new car for going to work. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I guess that's also why we keep uh, yeah, going back to the old cars <coughs> uh, so much. If, yep. if you are a car guy, I, I mean, uh, the car guy world seems to be divided into those who are into the new stuff. And then if you are into the old stuff, you, I think as Yeah, but, but it's important to know what the old stuff was because yeah. if you know the old stuff, you can evolve with the new stuff. Yeah. Uh, if you don't know anything of the old stuff, how can you evolve? Exactly. You have to know the the past. To know your history. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But are you uh, at at this point? Uh, you are. Um, Do you have? Uh, I mean, do you have any any more cars that we haven't uh, talked about? In uh, you have the nine fourteen, the two uh, nine three threes, the nine. I have the nine thirty threes. I have the nine twenty eight. I have. Yes, the, you have. Uh, you have the nine oh four GTS project. That that's the one I yes. was uh, trying to uh, remember because I think nine oh four is is not a car that you you can sort of. Uh, skip. You have to. You no, have it's, to not, it's not. It's not finished yet. I. I. I still have a long way to go. I, I finished up the chassis. I. I um, it's sitting on its its own wheels now. Uh, the engine is in there. I have a body, but it's not attached yet. Um, but it's it's an ongoing project. I, I. I assume I'll need another three years to finish it up. Yeah. But it's it's a side project, and it's again not an everyday Porsche, but. Uh, i think one of the most beautiful cars out there. Exactly. That that is well well just out of words beautiful but can you uh, how did how did it, how did you how did it come into you your hands uh, what, what's the story of you uh, getting this uh, car buying well, this car finding this car? Well, I had I had a half a, um I had a I had parts of an old 904 laying around in my shop, uh, some some mechanical components, yeah. um, a, 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 a torn and half chassis or the leftovers of the chassis after a, uh, an accident. But I have the I have the uh, fiberglass molds for the body, and it's not the Beck body; it's the real yeah. uh, it's, it's the real 904 body. So I have that, and of course I could lay up. The body. They since I used to work at Porsche, I knew what kind of fiberglass is used, what what layup techniques are used, um, where you have to go into detail, where you have to be a little bit sloppy. There, there are certain Porsche isn't perfect. Mm. Porsche had its flaws. You know, if you look at how they welded, wasn't the most beautiful thing to look at. No, and uh, you can always determine a replica to. To an original car, the original car always will look horrible. <laughs> the 914 welding is uh, I, I, I like uh, I like uh, the roughness. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, when you see the welding at Porsche, you see yeah. In Germany, it was allowed to drink alcohol during work days, you know. So uh, I think the clean welds were early in the morning, and the sloppy ones were after lunch. Yeah. But but still, the, I mean, the sh- if you compare like the 356, I know uh, Reuter did and Carmen did a lot of those chassis. No, no, yeah. no, not chassis, but uh, the body. Uh, the body work, yeah, the chassis, uh, coach work. I mean, that is just with the same uh, 
sort of, uh, what is it, 0.6 millimeters uh, everywhere. Mm -hmm. I mean, they are very well uh, done, I I think. They're fantastic. Yeah, but then uh, they also have the, you know, the, the parts where they get a bit sloppy but but those are 356 bodies i mean they are made in heaven it's just amazing yeah especially the reuter bodies i think there's a big difference between reuter and carmen yeah. reuter if 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 you buy a 356 get a reuter body car but do you, can you remember when when did they do what what was that the did they start with the With Reuter and then well, I, I, I know at, during during the A A days, uh, Reuter was a huge player. Uh, I think the the later everything went, uh, or, or or as the years surpassed, Carmen took over more and more. Okay. And I think in C, I never saw a C Reuter bodied, but I'm I'm sure somebody will call you really upset and tell you <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. I, I don't know a lot about 356s, but I, I, I do remember that the Reuter bodies are the ones to have. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, our, our 356 was a Reuter body car, and the my rusty Super 90 was a Carmen car, so that's maybe that's why I'm ah. distracted. Yeah. Okay. I, I understand. So, so 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 but that means that you actually have the, like the you you are building a, a 904 based on the yeah. we have the old, fiber, old fiberglass uh, mm-hmm. um what do you call them did you call them moldings like the shapes you put in the, the fiberglass into and then built them Yeah uh, no the molds the molds are the, the the form that you lay the fiberglass in Yeah, okay. And um, so the the molds are I don't know from from when they are, but I bought them out of the Esbashik Polak uh, ah. stopped their shop. I I was in there because I knew I knew their their um, head parts guy who I knew over the years uh, due to my father and Bashek's close connection to each other. Ah. So I went, every time I went to Bashek, he He would allow me to pick a part or two and give me it to me. He would sell it to me, but I would pay an extremely generous <laughs> price for myself. So it was always worth it going there. And I bought. I still have parts from back then. I have so many engine cases that have no no serial numbers in there that wow. he used for competition, and that's what I based my uh, engines for. And I I built one out of one of those engines. Okay. Amazing, but but it's, it's just uh, spending time. You know, when I want to tinker around on my own, I just yeah, of course, work away. You know, it takes it takes you about uh, you know just putting one upright, one 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 uh, wheel carrier together. It takes it takes you a few weeks yeah. you know, to do it right. You know, just beautiful. I just want it. It should look beautiful. But but uh, is it is it uh, is Is it like uh, the chassis is a is a 904 chassis or is I, I didn't understand. Well, the 904 that. chassis is nothing else than a box frame. Um, no, no, you know. But but uh, no, it's 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 all, all fiberglassed in. Um, the, there's still some body stuff I have to work with. Yeah, but um, I think maybe a workshop uh, if you really would concentrate on it, I could finish the car up in six months. But mm. uh, 
I don't really concentrate on it. It's it's I get, I get these sparks. Oh, you should work on it again, and then you work on it for a few weeks, and I enjoy it. And then something else comes up, or um, as you noticed, I, I do. I have extensive work hours. I have a big travel always uh, that I have to deal with. So uh, time is precious always for me. Yeah, yeah, of course. But but I was just, what what I what I was sort of trying to ask is if it if it would you consider it like an original 904 or or, or a combined original. Uh, no, I'm 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 not claiming it's an original. It's um, a resurrection with no history. I, okay. I know the parts are uh, most parts are original. Yeah. Um, and and everybody who's knowledgeable will will identify that. Oh yeah, this is a real part. This is a real part. Exactly. But the chassis I I built from scratch. I can't, it's not a real chassis. It's a copy of the chassis. Yeah. Yeah. But okay. done, done right. You yeah. know. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly, and and what what uh, what engine? It's just a two liter S motor that I'm running in there. It's 180 horses. Yeah. Uh, the only difference I have in there is I did uh, I have titanium um, connecting rods in there. I have uh, titanium valve springs, and I'm running the 40 IDS carburetors from the 67S on there that have the additional squirter. Okay, and and that is a uh, is that is that a uh, the, an aluminium? It's going to be case a streetcar. I'm not. I'm not going to race it. No, no. Okay, okay. But is it is it like an alloy or magnesium uh, engine? What what year is that? It's a, no. It's an aluminium engine. It's aluminium. It's yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh, amazing! That that's going to be a a lightweight. Uh, well, just amazing race car or street car or whatever you're going to use it for. I don't know. <laughs> I actually don't know yet what I'm going to use it for. I know I, I I can't really race it because it's not an original, but I'm going to drive it on the road, and it was a road car actually as well. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm just not quite. I'm. It's going to be either dark blue or dark green, one of two colors. That's what I'm going. With. Yeah. Oak oak green metallic. No, not metallic. <laughs> it's going to be a, a single stage, but I I like I like green. I like green lately. Yeah, I understand. That's the green is always beautiful, no matter what what color. If it's light or dark, it's just right col- color of hope, but also color of beauty. And well, it's yeah, color uh, definitely color of hope. <laughs> yeah. No, but there's something you know. Uh, it's like you have these uh, you have these flowers or not flowers? What do you call them in in, in your garden? Those those um sort of um plants that are always green you know do do you also yeah, have yeah, them yeah, yeah. you know they are there's something about uh, i don't know flowers that are that are always green what what uh, no matter what uh, time of year there's some there is some kind of hope in that and it's just uh, it's just like a vital color i can't explain why right but yeah no i agree i agree <laughs> okay well i I think I I only have um, do I have two questions left? I actually called up a guy I know. I talked about him uh-huh. earlier. Cern, his name is. He he's, yeah. he's a car designer. He's uh, worked for Lancia and other projects. He's the guy I also mentioned who has uh, nothing less than four nine nine two eight. And he right. he's uh, he's um, 
he went to this design school in Switzerland in the 80s and he just told me I should try to ask you if because your father went there to teach yeah. and he and he and this is the late 80s he came in what was probably a ruben red or sort of pink red 928 and Do you know anything about that car? Does that ring any bells? I I, I remember that car. Um, you do, <laughs> but it it wasn't it wasn't his. It was one of the pool cars that they had in design or in R and D back then. It wasn't his car uh, because the um, he had uh, he had a few uh, funny colored cars. There was one light blue nine twenty four turbo. Which yeah. he drove a lot, and he actually drove that during the days as he went down to the V for Art Center in Switzerland. Exactly. To speak that was his main car back then. Okay. And I assume he means the light blue car because he the the pink one. No, it was, it was pink. never it was a pink. pink. Pink pinkish, I think you maybe Rubin red. That that's a nine. Uh, that's a. A, a color that is. Well, I remember you know, there was there was a nine twenty eight like that, but okay. uh, but that was a, a company car. That was a car, uh, a pool car that they used. Everybody could use that car. Okay, okay. Well, Sean heard it from from one of his friends who was actually at the school when your dad was there to teach, and he just I don't know why they must have talked about the fact that he came in this really cool color car car which was very. I don't know if you would call it. Um, do you call it a, like a brave color, uh, a, a, a little bit eighties uh, kind of color, but but really in a color scheme that that wasn't sort of seen before. Yeah, he the... he, he loved. He always <laughs> loved his colors. We had uh, we had a pink nine twenty four. I remember that. Ah, ours had had history with him. Okay, but. Um, So the light blue one, he had several of those, and I actually ended up at one point with one of them uh, because the 924 Turbo was actually always one of his favorite cars to yeah, run because yeah. you could um, you could crank the turbo up quite a bit yeah. and you could scare a lot of people on the Autobahn. <laughs> he, he just loved that, having an underdog car that could blow off pretty much anything out there. Yeah, Always understatement. Yeah, exactly. Uh, did did he tune the those nine three one engines uh, himself or, or with you or how? Uh, no, uh, that was uh, you could do that during your lunch break. You would go over <laughs> to the mechanics place and uh, where the mechanics were working, and that's where I was working. And we always would see our the managers would buy us lunches when we would adapt. Uh, the horsepower a little. <laughs> okay. Well, you just uh, on the nine twenty four. You just needed a handful of washers, and you could uh, uh, you could uh, bypass the turbo. Just give them more pressure. Exactly. It it was a nine point eight bar turbo, wasn't it? And then you can just sort of you just added the you gave it more turbo boost. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think you could just need one washer or two washers to put in there, and, and you would have a little over one bar. Yeah, <laughs> and then the car would blow up. 
Well, yeah, it doesn't matter in company cars. You get a new engine. <laughs> it's that Tony guy again. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah. No way. Amazing. Well, uh, Hans, uh, this has been a, a true, true pleasure. I am really honored that you take the time. Uh, I feel like now it's uh, one one hour and forty minutes of your day off. So. Um, i think I've no. Don't don't worry about it. it. It was a lot of fun, and like I say, uh, please don't see it as an honor. I was just a witness of time. Uh, due to my age, I'm still around, so um, yeah. I'm just a lucky guy. I'm not. I'm. It's really no. No, uh, there's no honor in speaking to me. I'm. I'm more than happy to 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 help enthusiasts. Yes, um, especially little countries. I like little countries. I, like I told you in the beginning. Yeah. I have contacts to now Denmark. I have more contacts in Portugal than I have in Germany. So yeah, um, it's all good. I like that. Well, if you are ever in uh, 